Are you an ISA or agent struggling to convert your valuable leads? Or are you a team leader looking for advanced scripting and dialogue training for your team? Smart Inside Sales Conversion University is the industry-leading training program designed to give you the ninja-level scripting and objection handlers used by top teams across the country. Conversion U covers scripting, dialogue, objection handling, and closing skills needed to elevate your business through self-paced video training and live interactive expert coaching. Visit smartinsidesales.com slash conversion you to start today. Cash call, everybody. Back again for another week. Dale Archdeacon and Brian Curtis bringing you the hard-hitting scripting dialogue uh, and otherwise uh, recommendations that we have for you to be able to convert more of your leads and sell some more houses. Um, and today, as Brian was saying, backstage, if we say backstage, right? To, so there's people that are live on the webinar with us currently, and then there are people that are obviously going to be watching it in a face, uh, our Smart Inside Sales Facebook group or listening to the podcast later on. Backstage, we were talking about this. So Brian, my friend, co-host of like three years for Cash Call, uh, is a partner in a tech company called Osiris. And we haven't talked about it. They've been around for a little while now. We really haven't talked about it, but I thought maybe we would talk about that now because Brian is helping my company connect our uh, Real Geeks website to our follow-up boss CRM and our YLOPO, soon to be YLOPO account, uh, all together uh, and helping us with more efficiently uh, working the system, working those leads and not missing things that happen. And so I wanted to have Brian on today's cash call talk about Osiris. This call, this is not sponsored by Osiris, but Brian is a co-owner in the company. So you're going to hear about Osiris and, and I don't care what you have to say about it. Go ahead, Brian, tell us about Osiris, what it is and what you guys do and how it helps. People Absolutely. So step one, Dale was winning friends and influencing people there with the, I don't give a riff. And I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but no, so, you know, it's interesting because uh, I, I became, a, a, I, had, I, I became, I, wow, I can't speak. I gained an ownership interest in this company in January of this year. And the reason that I did was because I was looking at a company that I said, hey, this is a company that's filling a hole. The truth of the matter is I say this to my partners and I've said it to a lot of people at the Wailopo conference we were at a couple of weeks ago, my company shouldn't exist. And what do I mean by that? It would be amazing. We have all this great tech. You know, Dale mentioned some great tech. You know, it's a follow-up boss, real geeks, Wailopo. There's Sierra, there's Chime. There's a million different things out here. We're not necessarily here to, to advertise for all those, but we've got, you know, say 25 pieces of great tech out there. I don't know the real number, but let's just say that. The problem is they weren't built to play together. And so they don't play together very well. So for example, I use follow-up boss and Dale mentioned that. And one of the automations that, that we've created at, at uh, Osiris is any lead that's sitting in a pond. And if you're like me, I've got like 40,000 leads sitting in a pond. They're get you know, a couple of things can happen. That person can interact. In other words, they could go to a website that, that we have. Or a lot of times, actually, what we're seeing is, let's say I got a Wailopo lead four years ago, and today they became a Realtor.com lead. Well, when that lead is sitting in the pond, no one's monitoring that pond necessarily. There's an alert that gets sent to an email. Well, I don't know about you, but the chances of me seeing an email are somewhere between little and none. So what we've done is basically created a 
notification center. So everything that happens in my CRM now happens in the notification center. So for example, anybody's interacting inside of a pond, we use Slack, it goes to that Slack channel. And then we've got methods where people, agents can go and grab those, they can call them. And it's really something that we can just do automatically. So what we've done, and again, we've got a larger team, we've got about 30 agents, we have a lead manager. And one of her main functions is to simply watch all those notifications. Why, why local, why priority alerts, Facebook, uh, excuse me, um, follow-up boss alerts that are assigned to an agent. So a lead is assigned to Dale and, you know, Dale's out showing property. He gets a text message on his phone. That's, and that's a great elite alert system. But the problem is you guys know how, how text messages are. I'm out showing property. I, I, it just goes away. Right. So now it's all in the notification center. So Dale can take care of it when he comes back and go, hey, I better call this person. They're, in, they're a new lead again, or they came back to my website after 17 months or whatever the different things are that we have notifications for. Now it's all in one place. So we make sure that we don't miss it. And I can tell you right now, I get messages all day long where I'm just doing this number on my phone. I'm just flicking up because I'm trying to call somebody, trying to do something and these stupid notifications come up, right? So yeah. I say we have what I refer to as notification fatigue. As a matter of fact, on a coaching call this morning, I was saying that to a coaching client. I'm like, turn your Facebook notifications off. There is no good reason from eight to five in the morning that you should have your Facebook notifications on unless you just don't want to work and like to get distracted. Yeah. So Listen our idea is everything goes there. Um, and let me talk about real quick and then, then we'll kind of do my favorite thing. And, and I got to give a shout out to my partner, Jeff. He's the one who created this one. My favorite um, thing we have, we have a, we have a post-text Post appointment text. What does that mean? So all of you are working with buyers or working with sellers. I'm assuming I'm maybe not a, the best assumption, but I'm going to assume it anyway. So I go, I go. Pretty safe assumption there, Brian. Yeah. Well, you know, some might be team leaders. So I go on an appointment at say five o'clock tonight, right? And I show property for a couple hours and I come home at seven o'clock. 99% of the time, in my opinion, what's going to happen? I'm going to come home and I'm going to eat dinner. Of course I am. I would have done the same thing. And what am I going to tell myself? I'm going to log in tomorrow into my CRM and I'm going to update it, right? And how often does that happen? Sometimes that never happens. Zero and nine. So what we've done is 10 minutes after the appointment. So the appointment is from five to seven. At 7.10, you're getting a text message and it asks you five questions. And those five questions, the last one is, do you have any notes? And you can literally use, if you're an iPhone user, you can use Siri. If you're not an iPhone user, you can use whatever voice to text function inside of your phone and literally just answer these questions. And now here's the best part. It goes and updates the CRM for you. You can update the stage. It can update um, notes. And so the idea is always do everything in your CRM. And I'm a huge fan of that. But the reality is you've got working in the field is different. You know, it's funny. I've forgotten that as someone who basically sits behind a computer all day, I'm like, why is it so hard to update this? Well, it's not when you spend eight hours a day in front of a computer, right. but right. when you're running all over creation, putting up signs, going on listening points, working with buyers, we forget. And not because we're bad people, because we're busy people. So anyway, that's a, that's a general overview of Osiris in, in, in what, five minutes there. So, um, Pass back over to you, Dal, and we do have a question that we can come back to. I want to make sure we answer sometime, and it's not about Osiris, but we can come back to before the end of the call. Got it. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> the reason that I wanted to bring this up, everybody, and have Brian talk about what his company does is because increasingly we have to have automation. We have to have connections between things. And if you have a company like Osiris monitoring for you the activity that's going on inside your database, inside your CRM, <clears throat> you're going to be much likely, much more likely to be able to jump on the opportunity when it presents itself. 
<clears throat> that's one of the biggest issues right now. We have to have large volumes of leads that have to be incubated in an automated fashion with systems and processes and somebody monitoring what's going on. So for those of you listening who can't afford to have ISAs or lead managers, if your organization isn't that big, guess what? You are the ISA, you are the lead manager, and it might be helpful for you to have some automated notifications for yourself, a system where it can alert you to go and talk to so-and-so, right? Um, another level beyond what follow-up boss provides or what YLOPO provides. And even within both of those systems, and they're fantastic systems, Brian and I both all use all of them, uh, you still have to be more active, especially in follow-up boss, in order to see that thing happen, right? Um, so what they are doing is putting together a system that connects all the pieces and then will create one good notification system for you to alert you so you know what, what you need to be doing at any given time when you have X thousands of leads. Yeah. And that's really, you know, it's interesting that you said this. This is something I've been saying for the last three or four years. So when I started in real estate, it's not an exaggeration. And I did fine. It wasn't, you know, I was a single agent, like most of us started as single agents. And, uh, you know, I was getting, you know, five, six, seven leads a month. And I can tell you, my team probably got seven leads during this phone call. So, or this, this podcast, you know, so what's yeah. the difference? Well, the difference is when I started, you know, I'm older than some of y'all, but when I started in real estate in 2005, when I was doing general real estate, there was no realtor.com. There was no Zillow. Nobody had a website that captured anything. So you didn't get internet leads. So the ratio right now for every 12 real estate leads you get, there's one closing. And I'm not saying that every ones that you specifically get, but across the country, when 12 leads are created, that's one closing. So that means you've got 11 people you got to filter through. And that's the biggest difference that I see now is, and here's what happens. And, you know, it's funny because uh, Eric Hatch talked about this when we were um, at, at the YLOPO conference is going deep instead of wide. Everybody's going wide, just looking for the hand raiser, hand raiser, hand raiser, hand raiser. And that works okay. But you know, to Dale's point and kind of what we're talking about with our team today is how often, how many leads do I need? Active people, at, and I'm talking buy side now, sellers, you don't, you know, you just need to put a sign in the yard and wait for the offers to come in. So that's a different thing. But today when I'm working with buyers, you know, realistically, if I put five people in my car, five years ago, somewhere between four and five of those people bought a house, right? Yeah. Nowadays, I put five people in my car and no, we don't actually do that. But if I get one of them to buy a house, that's considered success. So what does that mean? That means I need process to get through all these leads because I can't handle a hundred buyers at a time. So, yeah. so yeah. I was in just talking mind, about, yeah. Brian, I was just talking to my wife so far in April, she's written 12 offers and gotten two. Uh, yeah. So you know, it's a five, five, six, seven to one ratio, realistically. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, that's the, that's what's going on in a lot of markets right now. On top of the fact that every, you know, there's just a million leads. Hold on, I got to put the dog out of the office. Go ahead, Brian. All right. So while, while Dale's stepping away from that, I'm going to ask a question or answer a question. Uh, hey, David, I appreciate the question. It says, in your mind, define a lead. Is it a cold or hot lead in your equation? So <clears throat> to me, uh, I'm a lead is, is very on the very basic level is somebody who I have their name, phone number, email address. That's a lead in my mind. Now, I then classify each one of those leads into five categories 
on the buy side and five categories on the sell side until they become a client. And when it becomes a client, well, obviously when they sign a listing agreement or however, you know, there's a lot of different definitions about how a buyer becomes a client. The most official method in my world is they sign a listing agreement or whatever your version of that is in the buy side. So in my my state, it's called an exclusive buyer agency. Like I know in Cal California, they call them buyer brokers, but a lot of people don't use them. So that's when they switch from being a lead to a client in my mind is when I have some sort of documentation. Now, there are people out there who never use those agency agreements. So define it however you want within that. Now I'm yeah. going to break it down a little bit further. I do hot prospects as someone who's actively, who I'm actively showing property to, or who I'm actively meeting with on the sell side. And then I do it zero to 90, 91 to 180, 181 to 360, 360 plus. And those are ABCDs for me. And so that's how I, I define all of those different things. And, you know, we have process behind that. So I've got to call my A's every seven days. I got to call my B's every 21 days. I got to call my C's every 45 days. And I got to call my D's every 60 days. Those are my rules when I say it's call or text, actually. So I want to make sure I'm communicating with those people. And that's the hardest part that we're seeing right now, right? Like, can I manage 20 people in my head? Absolutely. But, you know, to be successful and real state right now you know our goal for agents on our team is to have a hundred a's and b's which means if you think about the number of reach outs we're doing with those people to effectively follow up with them it's a lot and it's a, lot. It's a challenge and here's the biggest challenge we had this is what my meeting was all about today we do our team meetings on wednesday so when i've called you three weeks in a row and there's no new inventory that fits your what do i start saying to people because this is right. a challenge right like yeah. You don't want to, I'm just calling you to say life sucks. Sorry, move on. You know, <laughs> I've got to come up with some Still things no houses. Say. Sorry. So, so yeah, so we're, we're working on stuff like that. So we're doing market reports out of, you know, once a week we're doing market reports out of, uh, out of our, you know, which is just a snapshot, like number of new listings, number of coming soons, number of pendings, you know, we're just giving people those snapshots and just doing a quick, you know, minute to 30 second, you know, 30 seconds to a minute and a half video that, that we can send out via bomb bomb, or we can, you know, give a link to, because theoretically I can send somebody a link who I've had a relationship with because they know me. I can send them a goofy link, you know, and they'll go, oh, this is Brian. We're friends. We talk every week. So, you know, and a couple of things that I'll say to you, if you run out of stuff to say, this is actually what I suggested to a lot of people. Week one is a phone call. Week two is a video text. Hey, this is Brian Curtis. I'm just following up with you. I don't really have any significant updates on the market right now, but I just want to let you know I'm here. I'm searching for you every single day. And if you see anything, call me or text me. What am I doing? I'm just reminding them I'm a real person and I'm yeah. with them all the time. So I don't know if that's helpful or not. But. Uh, I think it is, Brian. And I think that's really good advice for people. So when I was a listing agent, uh, you know, one of the policies that I had when I would care, you know, uh, for my listings is that my sellers would be updated every single week, even if there was nothing to update them about, even if there was no movement or change. Because back in the day when I was the listing agent, we needed to get price reductions if your house didn't sell. I know that nobody listening to this right now who's been selling real estate for the last five years knows what a price reduction is. <laughs> That's when you need to ask the seller to reduce the price because the market won't pay it. That doesn't exist right now, right? However, it helped us to secure price reductions because people were hearing from us. We were fresh in their mind. We didn't just show up out of the blue and ask them to reduce their, the, the, 
you know, price for their home. Likewise, if you go away and you don't talk to your buyers until something pops up, they potentially will have forgotten about you, worked with another agent, given up on the process, or God forbid, went to an open house and purchased it right through the uh, through that agent. Yeah, and let me tell a story. I won't I won't mention the agent's name on our team because that would be horrible. I don't want to call <laughs> this human being out, but I spoke with an agent on our team yesterday, and so I mentioned that we do buyers A B C D. And uh, again, I've created an automation that shows me every single person who's an A, and then basically creates a spreadsheet that shows this is when these people were contacted last last by text or phone call. So here's some scary things. So I had an agent who I was you know, coaching say, look, you need to make sure you've got a whole bunch of people on this list who are greater than seven days. And you know, seven days is our minimum expectation. And so this individual called people on, on their list and one of them quit, like, I'm not buying a house, I don't care, da, 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 which is an opportunity to say, hey, I understand it's a rough market. With that in mind, if I see something, do you still want me to contact you? You know, that's yeah. a great conversation. And then the, the other person, somebody else, like basically said, I hadn't heard from you in a long time. So I got myself another agent. Hmm. So if there's not, you know, we've all heard this phrase and it's a corny phrase, but the fortunes in the follow-up, oh, it yeah. is really in the, in, in the, that's where your money's at right now. Anybody yeah. can handle the guy who says, Hey, I want to go look at this house this afternoon and it's on the market. And then we can write an offer. Anybody can handle that. That's not a skill set that's going to make you wealthy only because we don't get enough of those. I mean, if I got enough of those, I could be very wealthy, but the truth of the matter is we're not getting enough of those leads, at least not in my, my organization. So the yeah. way to make money is to say, Say, I bring value, I bring value, I bring value. So, yep. and you know what, that's just showing you're there. I mean, I don't know about you, Dale, but I've had people follow up with me and I had zero desire to have their product. And finally, I was just like, all right, I'll talk to you because my God, if nothing else, you deserve, you deserve 15 minutes of my time. You earned it. And yeah. it, happens, it happens on, you know, work, yeah. on the other side too. Yeah. I would say, listen, worst case scenario, be a boring, annoying salesperson with no new message, but keep doing it over and over again. And if you want, and you will still get business, you will still uh, convert more than anybody who doesn't do it. Even if it's a bad follow-up, right? Just, just do yeah. a bad follow-up. And then if you want to be fancier, start doing some good, some better, more creative follow-ups, but at least do bad follow-ups. Okay. Just call and ask them if they want to buy a damn house or sell a damn house. Do it over and again. If you can't think of anything better, just do it bad, then do it better. Is that a good policy? You know, again, it's it's kind of like this, you know, um, and I'll, I'm talking about video, but it's the same concept. The crappy video that I sent out is a hell of a lot better than the perfect one that you didn't send out. <laughs> right, so, exactly. you know, it, it's just. You know, and, and it's funny because I've seen agents and this has happened throughout my career. Like I, I've told this story before, but I would go to a listing appointment and they pick another agent because that person was really experienced. And I realized literally it's not an exaggeration. This is when I had a team. This person sold less houses in a year than my team had sold that week. And they pick them over me. Why? They did a better job. So, you know, they built better rapport. It's not always Here's what to me cash call is about. Cash call is about going from being a seven to a 10. Yeah. But here's the thing you show up as a five consistently every single day. And that person who's a five is going to beat the person who's a 10 who shows up every once in a while. Absolutely. So 
and, and we're not trying to talk out ourselves out of a, our podcast here because we value it. But at the end of the day, there is nothing more valuable than consistency. And, you know, there's a, a great book called Atomic Habits, and they talk about that. We're just trying to get just a touch better every single day, but the real key is following up. So, um, Dale, I want to make sure that we honor people because we always ask people to ask sure. questions, and I want to make sure that we answer that. So there's yeah. a question in the in the chat. Um, I'll read it and let you answer it. So it's from Jacob. Thank you for asking, Jacob. And how do I build more confidence on the phone is his question, and I'd love to answer that. And then kind of finish up with what we talked about in the green room, which is how many contacts and what's the process for following up with these people? Because we've kind of beat follow up. Yeah. So I'm going to do a shameless plug for my company because Excellent go. <laughs> we, have, we do scripting and dialogue training. That's what we do. So we have a course called Conversion University. It's live scripting, role play, dialogue, and call review by specially trained expert trainers who help you improve what you do, what you say, and your confidence level. So Jacob Brown, when you're asking about building more confidence on the phone, it's about learning strategies and techniques for having great conversations, any conversation with any stranger. And when we teach you those things and you practice those things, that's when you build more confidence on the phone and you just eat no for lunch, right? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't even bother you. So there's a couple of options. You could join our group, which is really affordable, or you could uh, you know, go to our dedicated trainer where you have a trainer working directly with your team. Uh, so you can reach out to me, Dale, at smartinsidesales.com to get more information about that. Um, Brian, how would you suggest that Jacob builds more confidence on the phone? Let me start by saying I believe in everything Dale just said to the point that uh, I've hired multiple ISAs that are going to go through Dale's training. So that's not, you know, me just saying, oh, Dale's my buddy. No, I'm 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 practicing what I preach here. So, A, I agree with that. Let's assume for whatever reason that you don't have the finances to do that right now or you don't and that's have the fair. time to do it. You know, absolutely. And I would say work up to it would be the thing because there is nothing more valuable to invest in than yourself. You can invest in Bitcoin and real estate and all these kind of things, but I promise you the thing that will make you wealthier, the faster, or get you to a place in life faster than anything else is investing in yourself. So I'll get over that little pitch there. But a couple of things that I would say is you've got to, and even if you go through Dale's course, you got to role play. So role play is huge because who am I going to practice on? I'm either going to practice on my friends who are other real estate agents, or I'm going to practice on my, on my potential clients. So, you know, that's a great, you know, if you have a whole bunch of, you know, inexpensive leads, practice on those as well. And then, you know, but have a process. So Dale and I talk about this all the time is, you know, I have a four-step process for every phone call. It's build rapport, do discovery, set an appointment and button it up. You know, go through that and make sure you're doing that. Make sure you're doing discovery, who, what, why, where, when, and how. And here's the great thing. You're not in person. They can't see you. You can have cheat sheets all over the place. Right. Like if you don't know if you've done discovery, have a checklist. And I know that seems like really anal, but it, it's, it, I tell every new agent on my team, have this, have these things in front of you, who, what, why, where, when, and how, and make sure that you go back and, and you're doing those. And, and here's the thing. Confidence is, is a weird thing. Confidence is a state. And what I mean by that, it's a, it's a feeling. So I will also say, say this, put yourself in a confident state. And this is going to, some people are going to think I'm crazy here, but 
I promise you it works. The mind and the body are connected and they are a two-way system. So in other words, and, and this might be fun for some of you to do, but you can literally change how you feel simply by how you move your body. So I, I'll say this to people and people are going to think I'm nuts and I'm not going to physically do it. But I promise you if, you, if you pretend you're at a Baptist revival and you put your hands over your head and you're holding it up, you know, think about that. We've all seen those things on TV, even if you're not a Baptist or whatever. And and put a big gigantic smile on your face, put your hands over your head and then, and you know, kind of ah, 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 like this and now instantly be sad. You can't do it. You can do it in 30 seconds. I'm not saying you can't work towards it. There's somebody on there going, I can be sad, but the truth of the matter is it's a state, right? Yeah. So here's what I would say to you on top of everything Dale said. And what I said as well is think of a time when you were confident, go back, hear what you heard, see what you see, Feel what you felt and you'll put yourself in a confident state with that as well and this is going to sound dumb we all know what the superman pose is right you know what i'm talking about dale literally hands on your hips like this stand like that for 30 seconds yeah. it will make you confident and i know people are like brian you're nuts and i am i'll admit <laughs> that but i promise you right. this works i didn't create this stuff so yeah. i hope that that helps um yeah we have another question and i want to add something to that before we go everything that Brian said, plus here's my perspective on it, right? If you want to learn how to take a punch in the face, get people to punch you in the face, right? After a little while, you're going to get used to it. Okay. Uh, so like that, it. doing it, you know, doing it, having the conversations is going to make you more confident. So we have a question here from Peter Atawo. He asked, as said, this is for Dale. You emphasize that we should ask six scenario questions for ISAs during an inbound or outbound call. Can you give a quick example to do it? Thanks. Okay, so six scenario questions. What I mean by that is who, where, when, why, what, and how much. And within the who would include, do you have an agent or who are you working with, right? And how much would include, have you spoken to somebody about financing if they're using it and who's your mortgage person? So if you think about it this way, who, where, when, why, what, and how much covers all of the scenario that you're looking to get from somebody, Peter. So I don't know if I need to demonstrate what those uh, questions sound like, but it would be like, Brian, when are you planning on purchasing? What kind of budget are you working with? What size home are you looking for? What neighborhood are you trying to move into, right? Do you have an agent? Have you, are you working with an agent yet? Uh, have you spoken to somebody about financing? I'm just rapid firing these things off. And one of the most important questions is, Brian, what has you thinking about making a move? Or what has you thinking about selling your home? Which is the why question, right? What are you going to get out of this? So Peter, it's not like rocket science. Basically, what you're doing when we talk about the six scenario questions is I want to get the full picture of your story as a person, what you're doing, when you're doing it, why you're doing it, who you're doing it with, right? That, that really is where it comes from. So if you can understand exactly what they're doing and when and why and how and with who, that's where it comes from, man. And you should be able to generate those questions pretty much on the fly. Yeah. And again, that's why I, I'm going to piggyback on that. That's why I literally tell newer agents and honestly, even, even experienced agents, keep that in front of you. You might go back and go, oh, crap, I forgot to ask. I mean, I, I listen to phone calls. Dale listens to phone calls. I forgot to ask. I told him I was going to set him up on a listing alert but I didn't ask them their price range. So I'm not <laughs> saying we can't make an educated Whoops. guess based on their inquiry, but yeah. was the house they inquired about, was that the top of their 
list, you know, the top of their price range, the bottom of their yep. price range, or smack dab yep. in the middle. We don't know. So coming back, like I literally go, okay, da, 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 da. oh crap. Hey, by the way, Dale, I apologize. This seems like a silly question for me not to ask, but I didn't ask you, you know, what your price range was. And just tell me what your max price range is. And that way I, I, won't, I don't want to send you houses that are above that. Some yeah. of that effect. And then here's another thing that I actually, again, I use what's called the dream home form, which I want to make sure that I'm going to reference that as well. How many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, how many square feet? I, you know, I want to make sure that I've asked them those questions as well. And here's the thing you can go ahead and do a great phone call and then have missed some of those stuff and then just do a cleanup. And it's just like, Hey, Dale, it's been really great talking with you. I, and I appreciate your time today, but I don't want to keep you on the phone for another 30 minutes, but I do have like three really simple questions that I need to ask you so I can make sure I get this set up. Okay, great. You know, how many bedrooms, bathrooms, square feet? And you, you can just go and bang those out. You don't want to do that at the front end of the call because it sounds like an interrogation. You don't have any rapport, but at the back end of call, you've had a good conversation. You've gone through all this stuff. Go ahead and say, hey, I just need to ask you a couple questions. So I'm doing my job. No one's ever going to go, how dare you? Or that's ridiculous. So having checklists is, is important. And, and that's that's kind of where I fall on all that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Having checklists. Also, you know, people that go through Conversion U, we do have a portion in our script manual that is the uh, six scenario questions and has lots of suggestions for them. So you just put that up in your office, right? Carry it with you, put it in your car, just to make sure that you get yeah. all the pieces. And, you know, honestly, I think that usually once you've done it long enough, you don't end up missing that stuff, right? You've done it a thousand times. Um, the other thing I want to say as a, as a rule of thumb, uh, Brian, I think this is helpful when we're training salespeople, is I'm constantly telling salespeople to pretend like the lead they're speaking to is their partner you and I are buying a house together. You and I are selling a house together, right? And so if I approach it from that way, it takes care of a couple of things. It generally helps me get all the information that I need to understand what the hell you and I are buying and why we're doing it, when we're gonna do it, right? And whose money we're gonna use for it, right? Okay, so that helps me there. Plus it also helps if Brian, you the lead says to me, Dale, I'm not gonna buy that house in that time frame with you uh, under these circumstances. Then I can say, well, Brian, uh, help me understand that because I want to buy a house with you. Help me understand why we're not going to do that and why it makes the most sense that we not do it that way, right? It Absolutely. also helps in your objection handling and your question asking if you regard them as your partner. Amen. And, and you know, again, no one wants a salesperson, right? No, <laughs> nobody wants yeah. a salesperson. No, I, hey, I we're, joke that we're like the police, man. Nobody wants to talk to a salesperson until you need one. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's why so many people won't identify as salespeople. I'm a consultant and here's fine. So to my clients, I come across as a consultant. To, to me, yeah. I'm a salesperson because I am finding a way to get these people to work with me. And by the way, if you don't want to be a salesperson, this is a huge pet peeve of mine. What am I selling? The only thing I'm selling is myself. And so, if you don't believe that you should sell yourself, then we can have a different conversation about that. But sell yourself. And I'm not yeah. saying in a salesy way. I'm just saying, be proud of who you are, your expertise, and you know, go out there and, and sell your value because other you know, people are doing it. You know, it's funny, man. I regard every lead I talk to like I am your business partner. I'm your therapist. I'm your scout leader, right? Like that's how I approach everybody. And in fact, we just had a, a client who signed up this week to start training with us and you know I, you know without talking about who it is he described it uh himself what his needs were 
and and basically told me that suffers from shiny object syndrome, overthinks things all the time, but you know needs to feel more comfortable and confident making uh, calls and working the leads that that he has. And, and I said, great, so would you like to get started with us next week? He's like, well, send me the information and I'm gonna think about it. And I said, no, we're not gonna do that. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna send you a link, you're gonna submit payment for the first month and you're gonna come and you're gonna do four intensive training sessions with us and then you'll make de decisions beyond that. That's what's gonna happen and that's what you need. And he signed up. Um, but it wasn't a salesperson that was saying that to him. It was somebody who regarded themselves as the person who can ultimately help fix that person's problem. And it needed to be that I told him to do something that was not in line with the way he wanted to do it, which was to go away, think about it, and then procrastinate again. Well, and I love where you're going with that, Dale. And there's two things that come from that. First of all, and this is true because Dale's talking about someone from a training perspective, another real estate agent, right. but also think about this. And, and if you really think about it, most of us have done this. Some of us do it all the time. Some of us do it every once in a while accidentally. But when you tell a person what to do, what do they do most of the time? A lot of times they do it. Hey yeah. man, you guys need to write an offer on this house. You absolutely love it. You've told me this is a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be it, here in three days. It, Yep. Right and let me put this in. And they say to you, well, you know, I think we'll go in at asking. And you know damn well in your market that asking is going to be one of 10 losers on this deal, yep. right? Then you just got to say, listen, do you want to buy this house or do you want to practice writing an offer on it, right? Because yeah. if you go in at asking, you're going to be practicing losing a house, practicing writing an offer. The only way for you to actually purchase this home is you must be the one person who's willing to pay a dollar more than everybody else is. And here's what you need to do in order to make that happen. And, and again, that's, that's our job. And I'm going to, this is going to be my final thought. When I used to go into listing appointments, this was my mindset. And I, and I think that any of you, whether it doesn't matter with buyers or sellers, this was my mindset. If this person didn't list their house with me and they did list their house, I failed. Not failed at the thing, but I failed them. I considered it my moral obligation to make sure that they listed their house with me because I knew there was nobody better. Now, I want to say this real quick. There are people who are as good as me. I'm not saying that, but I feel confident. <laughs> you know what? You're so humble. You're so humble, Ryan. You're really just, that. you know. But, but that was my mindset. When I walked yeah, that's in awesome. there, that I had to, if this person was going to list their house, they had to list it with me or I had failed them. And that's how I work my buyer. And here's the thing, guys. Then I had to back that up. You know, you talk about confidence. And then I had to back that up. Same on the buy side. Right. Like no one was going to do a better job than me. Right. And, I, and I do feel confident there's other people who have gotten good training and are smart people who can do just as well. But I firmly believe that no one was going to do better. And if you have that mindset, it will change how you interact with people. Because, yeah. I mean, think about it. Like I can't let these people have some idiot list their house. Right. They need a good agent. So they can get the most money. So they can have the most success. That's yeah. my mindset. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, and let's go back to my example of the person that I needed to tell, no, you're not going to go think about it and procrastinate. You're going to pull this trigger and here's how you're going to do it. If we go back to, you know, I had to not be afraid to lose the business. I had to not be afraid that the person would say, you're too aggressive. I disagree with you. Right. Or, and, and you know, th this is a fear that a lot of agents have is like, 
they're going to regard me as just a salesperson who's trying to get money out of them and doesn't care about them. I disagree with that. If you communicate clearly with them, if they told you what their needs and desires are and how frustrated they are with, what, with losing deals, you have to stand in the fire and you have to be confident and come from a place of actually giving a shit about them and explaining to them why this is the thing they have to do in order to make the pain go away. Nine times out of 10, it's going to go the right way for you. Absolutely. And you're doing it with integrity. And I think that's the thing what a lot of people don't understand. Dale was aggressive with that guy. Absolutely. Yes. But he did it with integrity. He's going to deliver what he said. And that's the other part of it, though. Like, you, you can't you can't be aggressive and then not deliver. So I'm 100% sure. I know Dale. I know his systems. He's going to deliver on that. So he said it like just a, a statement, like it's manna from heaven. Like he knows that if this guy goes and does the things that he's telling him to do, he will get value out of that. And that's and again, if you believe that, it's really easy to say. If you don't believe that, if you don't believe, believe you're bringing that value, then that's going to be really hard to say because you're lying. So believe it and then back it up. Yep, absolutely. All right. So uh, are, are, is everybody done with our Baptist sermon today, Brian? Do you think? It really was kind of a little preachy, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, so where can they learn more about Osiris? Osiris.co and Osiris is O-S-I-R-S -S, and it, there's it's an acronym so it doesn't it, we pronounce it Osiris but that's you know so O-S-I-R-S.co and uh, we've got all the things in there or feel free to message me on Facebook I'd be happy to set up an appointment with one of our advisors or myself and uh, go over what we can do for you and your business so I appreciate the opportunity for Dale to uh, share that with us today yeah of course of course and of course you know with us Conversion University if you're a follow-up boss member you get the video portion uh, you can just go to Smart Inside Sales our website uh, or you can shoot me an email or we're pretty easy to find yeah. All right, everybody. Great seeing you. Thanks for joining us for Cash Call.